Welcome to another episode of Building the Future podcast, where I have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs, innovators, and thought leaders who are shaping the African future. Today, my guest is Tipanka Rustagi, the founder and CEO of VConnect, an online business directory and local search engine in Nigeria. When I first heard of Dipanka and VConnect, I was intrigued. Here's an Indian guy building a startup in Nigeria. Dipanka grew up in Nigeria where he spent most of his teenage years. His family later moved back to India but Dipanka found his way back to Lagos when he took a job as a zona marketing manager at Dufield Group, the makers of Indomie noodles and other food. Whilst working in Nigeria, Dipanka saw the difficulty in discovering local business information beyond word-of-mouth referrals and he decided to quit his job to solve that problem. So he founded VConnect as a platform that organizes local business contact and information in a way that will make it easier for people to discover them. During my conversation with him, what comes out a lot was a strong belief in the power of small and medium-sized enterprises to drive economic growth in Africa. The banker is creating more opportunities for local businesses to have wider reach beyond their immediate network. I hope you find our conversation in this episode interesting as much as I did. But first, let's shout out to those who are supporting this episode. This episode is brought to you by The Longer Practice. Are you about to start a new business or running an existing one? You need a lawyer. I have seen a number of startups unable to raise money or miss out on a lucrative deal because they fail legal due diligence. You don't want that to happen to you. This is why you need to have a startup focused lawyer. The ones that understand your early also and are willing to partner with you now. The Longer Practice is a legal firm that specializes in working with early stage startups in Africa. When I started getting involved in the Nigerian startup ecosystem, they were recommended to me as a lawyer that understands startups and investors. Since then, I've used their service and so are many others, including the likes of Flutterwave, Techaba, Printivo, Refruits, Ventures Platform, Lagos Angel Network, and many others. To get free consultation as a listener of this podcast, fill out a form on podcast.thelongerpractice.com and one of the lawyers will get in touch with you. That is podcast.thelongerpractice.com. You can also find a link in this podcast show notes. Let me tell you about Accountier. No matter the stage of your business, your success is dependent on how much you understand your finance. Accountier is a ridiculously simple online accounting platform specifically designed for small and medium scale businesses in Africa. It is neat, easy to use and simple. With a mobile app, you can also use it offline. Accountier simplifies your financial report, help you to create invoices, track your expenses and avoid overpaying taxes. Here's the best thing. Accountier is integrated to local payment solutions such as Paystack in Nigeria and DusuPay in Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, Kenya, and Tanzania. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun and sign up to use it for free. There's an exclusive offer to the listeners of this podcast. You get 75% off your first year subscription when you sign up for a premium account. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun. That is A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-E-R.com forward slash dotun and sign up the next african story will be written by africans meet the people using technology innovation and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative this is building the future podcast 
with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. Tell me about how your conversation went with your employer. So you went to them and said, hey, this is what I want to do. Uh, I mean, this, this is interesting. I've been doing it. And uh, thank you very much. This is my resignation letter. Bye-bye. And they said, hey, we like it. Do you want money? No. He said, <laughs> we, that, that's interesting. You never mentioned it to us before. Uh, why don't you present it? So the shareholders will be in town two months later. Prepare yourself and present it to them. And let's see what comes out of it. And then you presented to them. And then I presented to them. And they offer you money. And then they offered me money. Wow. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's start from the beginning. What led you here to Africa? How did you start? When you said that it was surprising for you to see an Indian having his own startup in Nigeria, a lot of people approach me and ask me, why did you choose Nigeria? So Nigeria, I've spent way more time in Nigeria than in India. I am Indian by origin, but I came here when I was 13. Interesting. Yeah. My dad is a textile engineer and he used to work here. That's how our family moved here. And I did my schooling here, grew up here. Your dad was one of those in Indian immigrants that came to Nigeria and built the textile industry. Yeah. So he worked here for seven years, came here, started from scratch, built so it was not his company, but okay. he built it for the investors who had invested the funds here and uh, made it grow. So seven years he was here before he decided to go back. I had done my schooling. I was done with my schooling and it was time for me to pick graduation. And we were deciding between going to the US or going to India. And then we happened to choose India. So that's that's about it. And that's when he decided my grandmom was getting old. And he wanted to push back. He wanted to be there. Yeah. He so he, he went back to India. Yeah. And then, so you spend your seven, from 13 to 20. Mm-hmm. So your formative years was in Nigeria. Yes. My teens were here. So I, majority of my learning connections, when you really make your friends, that happened here. When you really understand people outside of your family, that happened here. So I have a very imp- very great impression, a very strong impression for life about Nigeria and people here. And which school did you go to in Nigeria? So there is an Indian language school in Ilupeju. So normally uh, people like to have their house close to their child's school. And that's why, because the school was based in Ilupeju, more and more Indians started renting houses in Ilupeju. So oh, that was to begin. Or oh, is it because it's close to the industrial area around Ilupeju and so they can buy well, a house? In- it is uh, close to the industrial area, but um, not all of them work there. I would say a small percentage work in the industrial area, but it was majorly because of the schools. So if you see the school, there are Indian supermarkets, there are Indian temples in that same area. So there is a lot of development to build that ecosystem <laughs> for, you know, people to feel comfortable and out there. So you grew up in Ilupeju. Uh, you spent your 10 years in Ilupeju. So your formative years, your friends. Did you have Nigerian friends or what? A lot of Nigerian friends. Oh, so you went to a school where a lot of Nigerians were there as well? Yeah, so we used to have inter-school competitions. We used to have friends outside of school, colleagues, meet. So I was a lot into sports. So playing basketball, playing table tennis, a lot of Nigerian friends, we used to compete, we used to play together. So you move after, so you now spent seven years in, in, in Lagos and then you moved back to India. Mm-hmm. So you went to college in India. Yeah. I did my engineering from Bangalore. Which university in Bangalore? PESIT. It's in one of the known colleges for software engineering. Right. And um, which one is a popular one? IIT. 
Uh, yeah, it's Astor, like the MIT of India, right? Yes, that is that is a very very popular college. Right. So, why did you study software engineering? So, I actually uh, it's known for software engineering. I did electronics and communication with electives in software. Uh, I picked electives in software with electronics because, you know, the Indian mindset is engineering is a great field to go to, and there's a lot of family push and there was interest in physics and maths so i said yeah okay that's based on consulting with friends family adults in the family uh, everyone said engineering looks like your forte and i wasn't really in a position to decide then and i said if everyone is saying it there must be something right about it is there is this like um if you're good in maths just push it towards engineering if you're good in biology they push it towards yeah. being a doctor so in india uh, there are these waves there was a wave of medicine and engineering i don't think it's medicine and engineering now it's more of mba now but these waves come in where the parents you know really pressurize or really motivate their kids motivate would be a better word to uh, go towards medicine or engineering yeah. so it's not really it's it's more of family decides what what you should pick yeah because it because tied up to the prestige of the family and 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 yeah reward so let's now go back to how so you did your degree in india and you were working in india after yeah, i worked in india for two and a half years with a company called keen i started there as a software engineer and uh, then graduated to become a business consultant with them so how, what what now led you back to nigeria uh I was I was speaking to some of my friends and there was this opportunity with one of the top brands in Nigeria called Indomie in sales and marketing. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that'll be a great opportunity. So, researched a little bit about it. I wanted to learn more about sales and marketing. So that that's where I decided, okay, I know Nigeria. I love Nigeria. This is a great opportunity. Why not do it? So, and and then how was the conversation with your dad that I'm looking at a potential in Nigeria. How did that conversation go? It went very well because dad knew uh, knew the growth rate of the company. He was here. He had seen the group grow and uh, he also was very comfortable. So people who have not been to Nigeria, they don't have the right narrative. They don't have the they don't understand how good what are the challenges what are the good parts of nigeria but since my dad was here i didn't really have to do a lot of convincing he was like okay that's a good opportunity you are happy go ahead i mean because he made that decision as well before yes. and then and then you know that you have the network anyway so you're not going to be new in a country True. and you have friends already yeah. as well lots of nigeria. friends cousins oh you can you have family extended family as well in yes. nigeria so see so to you you came to nigeria you're not like just like any other um aspect you are coming almost to home yeah i was coming to a house so i was picked from the airport to the house i was shown okay this is going to be your room and i was comfortable before i really went out and rented my own apartment and so you worked for indomie for how long did you work for indomie i worked for indomie for two and a half years and then started up reconnect so how so tell me about reconnect what was the aha moment for you and then how did you spot the the gap for vconnect and what was the aha moment for you to say i'm going to do this so indomi in nigeria is a joint venture by a group called tolaram group i was picked by them i was hired by them and um, it was great working there but there was this incident when we we traveled to ibadan 
and uh, we some of my friends and we had a small accident it wasn't a big deal but two of them were hurt one was hurt on the knee and another one on the eye we looked for were you in the car i was in the car but i was perfectly fine wow um, we looked for people around asked them where is the nearest hospital and nobody was able to guide us we looked for hospital on some of the popular search engines hospitals in lagos hospitals in ibadan didn't get the right information you'll be surprised we were being redirected to hospitals in lagos in portugal there's a small place called lagos in portugal yeah 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 so what year was this this was 2009 there was hardly any data available so there were some large hospitals registered but hardly any small hospitals registered so that's when we said okay some basic information has to be there so we canceled the trip we were on uh, ibadan express we came back got them treated and uh, post that we started creating a small intranet you know for amongst friends and family where you will have the access to it and uh, you can add businesses and take data so anyone needs some information you don't really have to call or you don't really have to wait for somebody to reply back to you all these businesses you know and it was a very manual thing like, wow so and so that is an interesting story so a lot of founders have um the aha moment to be oh i'll, I'll try to solve this problem and this happened and that's like uh, and and i think nobody's solving that problem or i have this challenge and i needed it to be solved and that's why i created a technology i created a solution for it yours is one of those fairy tale nice founder story which is somebody had an you had an accident that you couldn't discover the right hospital and say why are businesses or why are things like that not online and you want to create a platform that will enable people to discover it rather than just looking at uh, because you could actually come arrive to the same viewpoint by looking at okay what business can we do online how can we Yeah so how can I, we get a lot of african business online and 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 copy what is happening with yelp or or that stuff Yeah so we I I wasn't always planning to be an entrepreneur or I didn't have that mindset that you know I'm looking for an opportunity it happened and then we build this and then we experienced oh this could actually be scaled up this could actually be made a business and um I spoke to my existing employer which was Tolaram then and um they were very supportive they said interesting they said yeah you want to do it it should be great if you need any funds let us know we'll support you oh and i was surprised i said what did what did happen i mean what just happened <laughs> i was suggesting something and i got approval i got you know so I, were you suggesting it to them as this is an opportunity that something we could look into or you're just saying i, I spotted this and i think it's something i might want to do or my and i've been building an internet around it or No, how did that conversation was, go so this conversation was more like uh, thanks a lot for the opportunity to work with you uh, but i i really feel that i want to work for this company called reconnect or i want to create this by then i had got gotten to the stage where i was sure of what i wanted to do oh you build attraction because you build this intranet yeah. and families and friends are using they find it useful that you they can get information mm-hmm. online from uh, about businesses or locals um um services around them yeah and then you think and then you started you have you started building a business model around it at that time uh no so there wasn't a business model it was still a brick and mortar information available i could just see who is using it how many times are they using it so that's so you what don't know how to monetize it 
Nah. You just know that it's an engagement here and I can build a community around this and then money will come out later. Yeah, and you know, the mindset was not in this direction. I come from a service class family. Like I said, my dad has been in service in a job always. And I've not thought of doing business and being an entrepreneur and starting something on my own. So this was a great experience, but I had not given it a thought. How am I going to monetize? Uh, what are going to be the challenges? Oh, we're going to do this in... So my in my assumption, in the third month, I, w- I was going to be profitable. When we started, <laughs> like every entrepreneur's thing, actually. Right. <laughs> so I said, "This is this is a gold mine. We're going to be profitable. We're going to do have a lot of fun." But then, when we started on the journey, we realized the challenges that we were going to have. So when you said we, would you have a co-founder or or you have some groups of people that started with you? Uh, so it was me who started, but I had friends who worked with me in Bangalore. I had friends who worked with me here on the business development side. Some of them got along with me. So they they are more like co-founders to me, four of them, and we've been working. So like a founding team. Yeah. Like so you build a tech from Bangalore. Yes. Because started. that's easier for you. you. You know how to get a team together. And, and, and at that point, recruiting tech guys in Nigeria was not... I would I would I wouldn't even call it easy now but I would say the availability of skilled resources is much better now as compared to 2010. Yeah, I know. Um, so a friend of mine used um, actually still does he don't he has his own um, tech uh, software shop and he he he, he lives in he lives in Bristol and he, 2008 2009 he was working for a lot of clients in Nigeria mm-hmm. um, because it's just hard to get developers yeah in the, in the country then but now yeah like you said the ecosystem is emerging it is so you started in 2009 so no we started thinking about it in 2009 and we actually kick-started in 2010 wow that's you've been one of you are one of the old grandees of the ecosystem then yeah because those the ecosystem wasn't even there on 2000 and right so the ecosystem like when you said that i wasn't very active in the ecosystem mm. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was interesting. Slowly and steadily more companies started coming and we got to interact with them. But at that phase, I had different challenges with business, scaling up, understanding more of different ways. So yeah, I wasn't very... You had to put your head down and and build rather than talk. Yeah, I understand that because... uh, (laughs) Ecosystem, tech ecosystem needs buzz and needs um, a lot of time. Uh, it needs a lot of, um, yeah, that's the right word, buzz or, 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 or the hype. But entrepreneurs need to know when they should be involved in the hype and the buzz and yeah. when they should not be. True. And sometimes you may need it in the beginning to give you some leverage and to get the early users. But over time, you need to also focus on your metrics and your and your KPIs. And then at some point as well, you might need to say, okay, we've been building and I need to go out there and start engaging with people. So is that what you went through? Yeah. So yeah. at that phase, we were working towards scaling up. We were working towards the monetization avenues. So wanted to be in the system, do things the right way and build a team that could take it forward. So... Tell me about how you then how your conversation went with your your employer. So you went to them, said, "Hey, this is what I want to do. I mean, this this is interesting. I've been doing it, and thank you very much. This is my resignation letter. Bye bye." And they said, "Hey, we like it. Do you want money?" 
No, he said we. That, that's interesting. You never mentioned it to us before. Uh, why don't you present it? So the shareholders will be in town two months later. Uh, prepare yourself and present it to them, and let's see what comes out of it. And then you present it to them. And then I present it to them. And they offer you money. And then they offered me money. Wow, it does it really good to be funded by your previous employer. That's it's nothing talks more about. Um, people trusting you and, and, and big testimony than your previous employer funding you to start your own business. That's yes, massive. That gives you a lot of confidence because yes. that tells you people trust you mm-hmm. and uh, m- makes it very important for you to succeed because you want to build that trust forward. But also that taught me one more thing. So my hunt for the early stage money was not as tough of some of the other entrepreneurs uh, because I took funds from someone who was not in the tech system. So Tolaram had no investment in technology. So the Which, thing, where, where is this group from? Where is the Dolaram? This group is based out of Singapore. They, are they Singaporean? Or, They're Singaporeans. And they, they've been building a business in, in Nigeria for a so long they've time. They've been in Nigeria for over four decades now. Yeah. Uh, I, know about, I know I grew up with Indomies. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and... And they have they also in other sectors in Nigeria as well, apart from Indomie. So they're big in FMCG and yeah. um, logistics. So businesses around FMCG, but that's their core area of operation. So tech was an experiment or is an experiment for them. Yeah. And they, pre- I mean. And it's also good that they didn't say, okay, can you bring it in house, just come and run it as a, as a side department, which will not be motivating for you as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, but they said, we're going to fund you. We're going to give you, we're going to raise, we're going to give you some money, which is f- quite interesting. And are they, I mean, how much have you raised so far with them? Um, so far, actually, let's say business. So across, I've raised $5.5 million. $5 million. And and how many rounds have you done so, so far? We've done two rounds. Two rounds. And you raised, so your first round, your, your initial round with them was like... Uh, um, so, initial, so initial round was actually... Not not really. It was about building the product and doing a market study. So that was done with my own salary. Okay. So that's once, your, your friends and family and yourself. Right. Okay. Yeah. And once that was ready and my presentation was ready, so then we were more like, okay, now we can tell you. Because when they asked me how much money do you need, I didn't really have a figure in mind. And I didn't know how to put that figure together. So I had to really start working on it to put things down. And that's when we said, okay. And so, so you raised your first seat round. As $1.2 million and then moved ahead. That was that must be a very big seat round in, in, in Nigeria at that point. Because um, there were maybe a handful of companies that have raised that kind of money at early stage. True. Um, maybe Paga at that point. Or not, maybe, yeah, maybe Paga but, or, or InterSwitch. There were... Most of the companies that you see now in Nigeria have not even raised. So the good part was uh, since they knew the Nigerian market and they've always worked with one fundamental that scale matters. So if you're thinking about something and you believe in it, let it grow, make it big. And that's why we started. Majority of our investment in the early stage was to acquire businesses, was to get the businesses who were not online educate them, bring them online, tell them the benefits they will have. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you remember at that point, uh, the whole 419 concept around internet was pretty big. So people were not sure what's going to, what, how is internet going to you know, uh, affect my business. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, so it took us a lot of education to tell businesses to educate businesses that they will benefit and there will be no harm and your investors understood that so it was easier for you to convince them because they're not in Nigerian market market yeah. they've been there they're not just investors looking at opportunities in emerging markets they are in emerging market and they understand the growth rate in the market because they've been trading for a long long right. time so so were they the only investors that joined that round that yeah, so they were friends and family they that joined started, as well yes and then Thoraram was there so and then they were the they, they, they were the major um they were your anchor investors for that round right. so the next round which will be like your series A do they join in as well or they joined in as well and then by that time did you get other people that joined your round or? yes so they were individual investors from Nigeria who joined the round so these were people who knew me from i mean from my childhood days and were not into investing but had some money kept aside for investing or not into tech investing mm-hmm. but had some money kept aside they invested into the company and because they can see what you're building yeah. they can see and the growth rate was the potential really of that so let's talk about the challenges that you faced you talked about it a bit about getting convincing businesses to actually say yeah can put me online uh, there are various ways in which people have built your kind of business one is to um actually just put people online anyway whether, whether they know about it or not mm-hmm. or actually go to and another way is to go to them and say we're gonna we can drive more traffic to you we can drive more business to you if you just use our service and and you pay us some money how did you approach your own uh, business acquisition and the model that you used in the beginning. I know you pivoted yeah, a bit. Yeah, I, I will talk about the pivot. Yeah, yeah, but what did, you, what did you start with? So we started with the directory. And uh, at that point, businesses were not using internet. So we couldn't really ask them to register online on their own. So we really built a field force of freelancers, gave them mobile web, trained them how to use internet on their phones, youngsters, how to go to businesses, how educate them why they should be online, and then uh, register them. So this was really the big task that we had. And uh, we started growing with that and we started seeing traction. Uh, we started seeing people searching and we didn't invest into marketing. We only did search engine optimization. And we started seeing that yes, these are businesses people are searching for. It started giving- So you focus a lot on SEO yeah. at that point because you, because people, you knew that people are searching for those kind yeah. of traffic. So I think something we understood at the early stage was the proof of your product or whether the real use of your product exists should be around the organic usage rather than promotion, promoted usage. So discounting something or giving them reasons to come online takes the focus away of your user to use your platform for the right thing. of the need that yeah. exists for it yeah because you're forcing a need rather than looking for riding on the wave that already exists true uh, yeah yeah so so you then so what is businesses paying for you to set them up online at that point no, at that point it was a f- uh, at that point registration was free and we had we had thought of ways to start subscriptions but we had not activated them so it was all a free service we just focused on a particular category and a particular area and started registering businesses. What, what area did you focus on then? So we started with five local governments in Lagos. Okay. 
So geography, you focus yes, on the geography. Geographically, okay. and we focused on businesses which were hard to find, which are service businesses. So what happens is finding buying a phone was never very difficult, or buying a particular set of headphones or fridge was not difficult. But getting the right POP service provider, getting the right guy to stitch your bedsheet and your blazer, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Interior decorator, there was no rating system. there was no review rating system anywhere so we said okay first thing which is the most difficult part let's get these businesses online none of the directories had them government didn't provide i mean there is no organized way of buying this data from the government and um, we said yeah let's first get them registered and the next step is building a reputation management system for them so user can decide oh this guy is a five star service or a full stack service. So uh, I like what you did which a lot of entrepreneurs uh don't they they when early stage or early stage founders um they most people don't normally do because it's not very intuitive is when you have the big vision like you want, I want to build every person put every business in Nigeria or Africa online there's a big need and, and it can cut across every vertical but you don't want to go that way you don't want to start there. You want to start in a, in as niche way as possible because that way you can learn and you can tweak things so you start at geography you focus on a particular geography you also try to focus on particular sectors that you see the most need and that way you 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 are really working on that um because i know now you you you're all over nigeria right but you started with just not even all over lagos so yeah. we're going to start with five geographies in lagos i mean five local government areas in lagos mm-hmm. so if you if you're not in any of this local government area the need might be there that's not our focus we're going to focus here first because mm-hmm. we want to learn and test things and which is brilliant by the way because that way you can build an app locality and learn and tweak things and and be able to have that build measure test so i think here there was a gentleman called mr prem he was heading our advisory board and he helped us focus a lot he told us there shouldn't be too many numbers to look at you shouldn't bother about revenue you shouldn't bother about anything else one number to bother about is the right quality of businesses trustworthy businesses and aim big when we started the number he we were discussing in the board was how can we reach 1 million businesses wow and so it made you focus on that one metric that matters one number mm-hmm. So I I think that's where uh, things got simplified and that advice really worked for us. Wow, that's that's it's good to have that kind of advisors at the beginning who can help you focus because True. that's one of the benefit of having mentors who have worked you who have worked the path that you're working in the past as well. Um and because entrepreneurs one of the key features that they have is you just spot idea, you spot gaps and you want to quickly work on it and you can be drawn into different opportunities and just drawn into many things at the same time but True. Uh, and, and we all know that the key to winning is focusing but yeah. or, but it's just plays the most important role uh, and we all know it's not easy to get returns and if you give up at the wrong time nothing you have done will pay off so but being persistent being focused continuously doing it was very important for us so you started with a directory model and then tell me about your pivot and how you came to realization of changing some of the your, your business model so this was in 2014 
So before then, were you monetizing already yeah. the directory? So you were monetizing. So over time, you started get, having the subscriptions. So businesses that were online, you said, okay, you have to pay us so that we can drive more traffic. We can give you more visibility. Is that what happens? Yeah. Okay. So we give them a subscription model. We give them more visibility. We had AdWords packages, so category-based advertising. So if somebody is looking for entertainment, restaurants or something, your ad will come up and probability for you to get clicks will be higher. Uh, worked okay for us. Uh, there was no other player in this market at that time who was providing a similar service. Or they at came least after you? Or yeah. They came after you, okay. Sure. So even uh, there was a, a venture from um, Naspers called Mocality. 2012 I think 2011 end or 12 beginning they came in and they pumped in a lot of money so that helped us because how did it help you because market education became simpler yes yes it helped helped us a lot but uh, it was scary as well yeah because when you don't have that kind of money and you see someone um, having billboards uh, radio ads and all the different forms of advertisement and you're like why didn't we think of it? How would we get this money? And then later you realize, oh, it's good we didn't do it. Otherwise, we would have burnt out really early. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always counterintuitive for entrepreneurs to welcome competition. Because sometimes when you welcome competition, help you to educate the market and it makes sometimes your customer acquisition costs reduced. And then they can learn, they can, they can learn from the, some of their mistakes. <laughs> yes, a lot. We learned a lot. From their mistakes, we had a couple of discussions with their management team and understood the thinking process and realized, okay, we are in the safe place. Let's move forward. Let's continue doing what we are doing because we are doing it in a focused approach and we're not burning as much as, as some they of the were others. And then you had, I think OLS came to Nigeria as well. Was yeah. that doing, OLS was from India, right? Uh, OLS is actually a South African company. Okay. It's owned by Tencent. So it's there in many other countries, okay. and it is very big in India. Yeah, yeah, because yes. I, yeah, yeah. So I know because the, I associate OLX with India a lot. So, yeah. so they came to Nigeria as well. They came to Nigeria and, as well, and then you felt this is becoming real. <laughs> yeah, this is becoming real. That means there is a lot of opportunity. But when OLX came in, um, their focus was more of uh, secondhand goods, and their focus was in individuals selling there. It was more P two P. Individuals selling their products rather than businesses. So we saw that it's interesting because they will bring more people online by investing. And also what was interesting was that they focused on second-hand items or resale of products. So okay. our, we, were not, we were not threatened by them as much as okay. by mortality. And then there was also the wave of Groupon type of business in Nigeria, I think around 2008. Nine, yeah, two thousand and ten. How did that affect your own business? So, I think Deal Day was there. I am not sure. I don't remember the year. There's Deal Day, and there's another one. I've forgotten now. But yeah, it was Deal Day. Yeah, anyway, that was the major one. Yeah, there was another one. I remember as well. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I don't think uh, we were more threatened with them. It was interesting because they were more discount-oriented businesses. And, we and were transactional as well. Yeah, transactional. We were not transactional. We were not discount-oriented. But we liked, we, we saw their growth rate and it was interesting for us to watch and learn from them. Uh, Deal Day had a sister concern. Uh, I think it was, a again, I don't remember the name of the business, but um, 
Sim Shigai had launched a local search way before, I think, a couple of months before Deal Day. Before, before he launched Deal Day, because yeah. he, was, he was one that started Deal Day as yeah, well. Yeah, he was the one who started Deal Day. So he had another one. Yeah, some, something similar to us. And okay. that was an Apple to Apple same model. So I think that went for three months and then he said, because Mocality was already there in that market, he focused more on Deal Day and grew that. So... So let's talk about your 2014 pivot and what yeah. led you to that. So in 2014, we had close to 450, 500,000 businesses on our platform. And Conga and Jumia were there in the market. I think they came in early 2013 and their growth rate was phenomenal. Their promotional rate, uh, advertising was great. So everyone in our team and people around us started talking about e-commerce. And this was one of the mistakes I made, you know, how you just mentioned that an investor or uh, entrepreneur should always be focused at what they're doing. Yeah. This is where we started looking at what if all the businesses on our platform started selling? Because Konga and Jumia had some early stage, maybe a thousand, two thousand businesses selling. If we got it right, we would be way bigger. We have already 500,000 businesses. So that was the thought process. And we studied marketplace models. We studied a lot of things, how marketplaces have done well, how Amazon transformed into a marketplace and is, is doing phenomenally. But I think somewhere um, we didn't study well enough. So our learnings were um, critical and we went with all our force. I think the time you were pivoting or just a short after then was when I was already coming to Nigeria and I've been getting involved in the ecosystem. And somebody put it in a very interesting way to me, sir. Deal Day is trying to copy VConnect's business yeah. model. And Bitcoin is <laughs> trying to copy yeah. e-commerce business model. And there's a bit of confusion happening there. <laughs> so yeah. it was, I think, uh, Deal Day launched a service called Life.ng, uh, which is more of a listing service like ours uh, at that point. And we were trying to make it transactional. So we were giving a platform to businesses for them to add their products or helping them add the products. So they can have more transactions. So yeah, I think that was a very interesting article and uh, enjoyed that read. But uh, I think we jumped in pretty early. Early or, or you jumped in too fast without learning a lot of things about how complex um, e-commerce could have been? I think, yeah, so both of them, it was early, so we didn't know the complexities. Um, went in, felt, okay, we have the businesses, we have the traffic, so we will try and convert businesses and traffic into e-commerce. But e-commerce has way more elements in the ecosystem. Uh, I think logistics plays a very, very important role. The stage of your businesses, that means how educated they are about uh, transacting online, about generating orders, about customer service, about stock levels, about reordering, all these things matter a lot. So if your business does not come and update his stock online, you're gonna have challenges. Stock out will be one of your problems. And we didn't see these coming. But but why they saw the businesses that are already on Konga and Jimmy as well. So why didn't you why didn't you go after those ones? And the thinking is that so there are some there should be some overlap. Some businesses that are already on your platform that are also on Konga and Jumia. Yeah. Right. So they've been they know how to do they know how to do the stock level or some to some extent. So the value proposition is that we're just going to be another channel that people can buy from, and so, then you can you can fulfill it. So I I think uh, there was an overlap. But I, I think purely because we were not coming, we didn't have a lot of people who had e-commerce experience and uh, we didn't keep enough investment or resources for logistics and order management. Yeah. But Konga and Jumia, even though 
I'm sure from my discussions with them later on, found out there were a lot of cancellations and stockouts and challenges in various parts in their life cycle. So they had challenges with SMEs, but uh, they were more equipped to handle those. Because they waste a lot. Because the way they have the DNA, that was the basis of their business. True. It wasn't a pivot. It was, this is what we're here for. And they waste enough money to do that. True. They hired the right the people that know or that learn how to do that. Whereas you pivoting into it. It's very interesting what you just said, actually, which I found where I think is very, very profound is that even though you, you have a you 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 have some of the element of e-commerce, but e-commerce is deeper and more complex than people think it is from the outside. True. Especially in Africa where the infrastructure is not there. But even that, anywhere, e-commerce is much more, much, much deeper and and more complex. There is logistic, there is customer service, the return, the stock level, which a lot of people don't just think e-commerce is just have a website, yeah. drive traffic, and just sell and work up. Even today, a lot of SMEs come and say that instead of selling on one of the e-commerce platforms, I would like to have my own e-commerce platform. And, you know, we hold these business forums where we educate SMEs and try to give them advice on their business growth and I always tell them that it's about what you do the best so they should see e-commerce as a channel that brings additional sales for them rather than try to become an e-commerce portal they should continue focusing and growing so if they are a retail player selling pet sheets or selling baskets they should focus on how they can grow the number of baskets how they can optimize the cost how they can uh, create variants of baskets or understand customers better in fulfilling their needs rather than f- focusing on building another channel for sales. So this, do, I will do it all, thinking leads SMEs into a big trouble. I, I think you need to amplify that message because that is the core of um, some of the problems that a lot of people have in building business in the sense that they don't, is they don't have the self-awareness as a business on what they're stronger and what they what is not their core competency, which is there's some things that you don't have to do yourself because mm-hmm. some other people are doing it and they will always do it better than you. True. Uh, and you are good at this. And if you can complement and work with them, then you will both be better off rather than you think, I'm going to just do that as well so, to create more value for myself. So I think, because I think the thinking around some of the SMEs is that Conga and Jimmy are sending me orders worth five um, hundred thousand dollars a year and they're getting i don't know what cut they get seven ten percent seven ten percent of that what about if i just do everything i have my seven percent well you don't know you're gonna it's gonna cost you more than that seven percent to to do that and to even maintain and manage it and you don't even know how much Kong and Jumia, how much it's costing them to even acquire that customer to come. You don't know that. You don't, you're, not, you, you're not good at getting customers at that scale. And, True. And then also, customers will come to you and it's just you. But Conga, they can see a whole lot more. So, the people. so to give you a picture, right, uh, from an SME's perspective, or uh, my advice to the SMEs is they shouldn't see building a website as a one-time job oh i hired this freelancer he's going to charge me two thousand dollars he's a very experienced guy in making websites he will make my website with a cart or with a you know shopping button so i'm done with my e-commerce platform and i've built another conga and jumia yes i have built another <laughs> conga and jumia and i will grow so i think it's not that simple or rather i know it's not that simple yes. and um, they need to understand that in business it's 
about building core competencies rather than again doing it all mm-hmm. so this is where a lot of them defocus and lose market share uh, which they should try and or they even lose money and uh, uh, <laughs> in trying to go this rabbit hole of building of calling uh, telling a, a, a a developer to do e-commerce website for them at two, for $2000 which is not going to work well yeah. it's going to break down because you guys you guys just act together wordpress wordpress yeah and, and wordpress and together and then and or, or some some templates and then and and then over time the whole thing breaks breaks down and you don't you don't understand logistics you don't know understand uh, customer service uh, you, you don't online, understand order acquisition so uh, payment <laughs> it's t- yeah it is order processing order acquisition these these are different departments these are not these are not things that you can just think uh, about and it's a big because I, i come across a lot of startup founders as well who want to go add on into e-commerce because i think it's very simple yes it's simple to easily validate but it's hard to scale and you, you are a good example of well capitalized startups in in, in nigeria See, you have more, more money than a lot of other startups. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you may not have as much money as Kunga and Jumia. Well, a lot of more money. You have more experience. You have you have traction. And then you went into e-commerce and you quickly backed out because you understand how complex it is. It's like humans should, should be afraid to walk where angels dare to tread. <laughs> If you see angels afraid to walk somewhere then you should be <laughs> you shouldn't go head, headlong into that and yeah. that's a good that's a good um, way to for a lot of startup to see you don't just yeah so a lot of people tell me that you know when we try telling some of the customers that we will be after three months your store is active but after three months it will shut down because we would not be providing we would not be generating orders for you we are moving out of e-commerce and they said oh so h- how do you feel about saying it or uh, you know that's sad we really feel sorry for you i'm like yeah it was sad because we put in a lot of efforts but we learned a lot and uh, we moved out of it at the right time so if we wouldn't how long were you there for before you realized that this is not working and let's let's leave so 14 months so you give it a go for about 14 months yeah and every month or every quarter you speak to your your shareholders and your investors and the numbers weren't doing well even though you saw the idea to them so at what point did you realize i need to back out of this Was so uh, after the 12 months we realized we are going to back out but we wanted to do it in the right way as well that how are you going to how is the brand going to progress how is the business model going to progress how is the continuity of the business not going to be disrupted what was the indicator level for you what was the metric that made you think that this is not working going according to plan i think um, unit metrics viability at near future scale So a lot of people say that e-commerce is going to be f- profitable in the future. Agree? Uh, I don't dispute that. But future means what? If future means next six months, next one year, it's great. You should invest money to build a business. Even if you're setting up a factory, your factory is not going to be profitable on day one. And you still need to buy the machines. Your capex has to be done. So similarly, you need to invest in. it but you should also know when to start expecting returns if you see the returns growth in the return without increasing cost you're going in the right direction but if you don't see that your cost is growing proportionally with your returns your unit matrix will never come into picture it is easier to correct things when you are at a smaller scale it's way more difficult to correct things at a larger scale so and you need to be honest with yourself and be humble enough to say we got this wrong yeah less back out rather than 
just continue to do i mean for you you have a lot of things at stake and you are now high profile entrepreneur in the ecosystem yeah. your company is high profile and admitting that we've got the strong was how was that for you so it was tough uh because majority of the people said oh we saw you you have pivoted to e-commerce and you know the articles that you mentioned about and we saw that okay so now you are in e-commerce and deal day is in search and what do you think about it who is going to win what war and then one year later one one year few months later we were out of e-commerce we were moving back so it was like you were accepting your defeat so it was if you talk about from the ego perspective it was a you know it was it's never easy to accept defeat but it was important i think in business emotions should play a secondary role That's good. and logic That's good. should play a primary role so from the logical set we were very okay we were good accepting that uh, yeah we didn't do the right things so what are the key changes that you made to your team i think that that's point? a very important point you brought in totun that sometimes uh, what happens is when you make changes in the organizations you take the decision with your board the board agreed you convince them and uh, they give you the approval and then you just tell everyone that this is what i want you to do next you don't really wait whether they have bought in whether you have given them the opportunity to speak all the ifs buts this is right or wrong or what else should be done or whether they feel you have tried everything and that worked very well for us so since we were a small team we spoke to everyone we found out it was difficult explaining to everyone and everyone had different vantage everyone didn't know the burn rate everyone didn't know the challenges and the failures in orders fulfillment and uh, some of the angry clients angry customers so everyone had a different perspective so understanding everyone trying to convince them that this is uh, the reason why we are moving out and even though it is a failure but there is lots we have learned from the failure which will make us stronger for the success tomorrow uh, let's continue we have a bigger plan and a better plan and a much better success rate up stands ahead of us yeah uh, you you had to make a very difficult decision there but um, for me uh, what my own experience when i was running my own company we had to pivot it, it was a necessary pivot it, it wasn't uh, it was is that we pivot or we die right and then that was the only offer on the table so we were like a we it was a food delivery platform and then we we people can order from our platform we have logistic riders who fulfill the orders for us it was more hyper local logistic business and then we didn't raise enough money to go really fast because we, because uh, one of our competition raised more money than us so we were about to die and then i was lucky enough that one of the biggest player in the in the space and uh, another food log- food ordering platform came to us and say come on let's work together you become a logistic partner and then we work with you so we change our business from b to c where we have to get co- consumers to to b to b so we're working with them so that it didn't take much convincing <laughs> because yeah. is it that we take the offer on the table or we are dead and then and and I have to spoke for you you have to stand before your 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 employees and say hey guys the better we took 14 months ago is not working we're going to change did you have to let go some of your team members because of that change so what happened was when we moved to e-commerce right i didn't have detailed discussions with my team okay i didn't i was not experienced about uh, you know getting the buy in from everyone i said this is the but obvious move so i would say pushed everyone into it and then i failed we failed 
and then we realized that it is more important to convince everyone and bring everyone so there were a couple of people who joined the team specifically with the uh, e-commerce as their career goals or growth in e-commerce as and a couple of them left were yeah. you still running the search side by side with the e-commerce when you were doing the e-commerce or you just changed totally so our objective was uh, when you look for a spa or when you look for a place you can buy uh, shoes you are actually looking for a product and you want to know if that business sells you the right product i mean you know you want to know whether he or she sells original that business sells original shoes so it is a very similar pro- uh, product just the extension was the product so we incorporated that and kept the search alive which was good for us so when we had to uh, say there are no more transactions but you can still add your products and get visibility for them and generate inquiries for them and answer the inquiries at the early part businesses registered some of our e-commerce um, team members registered because it's not exactly e-commerce but we told them that the challenges in logistics and challenges that we are facing yeah we all agreed to what we are going to do and yeah. so they stepped out yeah and your investors uh, also understand your thing as well and then they just supported you uh, zoom they did um they understood us so you know many people ask uh about this thing and what sort of investor i should have so it's always good to have an investor who has experience of your industry right so that means if you are getting into a fintech company or you're starting a fintech it is very important for you to have an investor who has worked with a fintech company before but um, no doubts i wouldn't compro- i mean i wouldn't uh, say that's not important but i would also say that there are new learnings in every journey the bigger thing for an investor should be you should look for an investor that is open that is willing to listen and that an, he, that investor understands that situation in every business is not the same external factors matter so when we explained it to our existing investors what we were facing at that point i think chumia and konga were doing some of their best numbers so it was like what are you saying that e-commerce doesn't work why why would you say that so we clarified that we are not saying e-commerce doesn't work we are saying e-commerce doesn't work exactly with the mindset we entered in it so we might not be the best players to grow in it and it could work for someone else but it's not working for us now and you're not best positioned to win because you want to win in that space yes. yeah yeah so um so let's talk about post that pivot and then what changed afterwards was it that you now focus on search which was your original idea or you yeah. changed a little bit a bit of that and then what has been happening to your business since then so we understood two things with the whole e-commerce cycle the biggest thing we understood is everything should happen on your platform so instead of building a solution where there is a lot of manual intervention you should try and create if you're in the marketplace space you should try and create a platform where both the user and the customer or the business are equally active this was our learning in in the 12 15 months uh, one of the learnings in the 12 15 months and it was pretty valuable for us we started building uh, a dashboard for businesses called which is live now on business.weconnect and which provides businesses with tools for them to do things on their own for them to search engine optimize their business their website so a business can have a website on weconnect so a business can have a profile on weconnect a profile and okay. the business has a tool on our profile 
on the business.weconnect on the dashboard where they can publish their mobile optimized site in three to five minutes. Which will be at their own URL. www.doctrineshop.com. Yes. True. Search engine optimized with all the info. So problem is uh, businesses don't create their own website because they don't know how the design should be. Mm-hmm. They don't know what content they should put. We started going industry by industry. So example, we picked up the laundry services guy. We picked up, we made a few themes where you can change colors, but the structure remains almost the same. And we said, what is the default information that should be there for the business to make a decision, sorry, for your user to make a decision whether they want to deal with you. We made these and the business doesn't have to do anything now. It's more of a publish button click. Yeah. If your profile is complete on WeConnect, you just click the just, button. I've always thought about it. Uh, it's one of those ideas that I used to have that why can't somebody be doing it in Africa or in Nigeria in particular uh, about a restaurant's uh, uh, website? Because I know when I, in my previous startup, there was a company that was wanted to partner with us and they enabled restaurants to be able to build their website fast. So yeah. it's a, it's, it was content management system for uh, restaurants. So you go there, you register, you pay them monthly, but you have different um, models and, and different templates and you just add your own logo, had your color and change their stuff and they know the basic models that restaurant each restaurant need and True. then there's the order button as well if people want to uh, reserve a table and stuff and so they just provide the back-end engine and the front-end as well capability is that what you what yeah be, so oh, that's, that's exactly what happens if there are placeholders for your logo mm-hmm. for your uh, header banner for your for your site to look good and these place these placeholders are filled by the information that already exists on your WeConnect profile so you just fill your form on the WeConnect profile all the information gets extracted. It shows you the preview of the website. You can change or move things a little bit here and there, and you're good to publish. And how is that going? Uh, it's pretty early. We it, we launched it in March, and uh, it's going well. And is it is it a subscription model? It is. It is an annual subscription model. Okay. So you get your domain, and and who holds the domain? You or them? They. Okay. So it's not right for us to own yeah that, that's true so but then the thing is if i'm a shop owner i run a restaurant in isola and i want to be i, I want to be online okay mm-hmm. i have an option i'm going to hire a developer to develop it for me and all this all this yearly maintenance and things can go wrong and i take a long time for you to be oh i go through this stuff and i do it myself within five minutes or let's say a day i yeah. launched it and it's there and I can update my information myself. I'm locked in. Except I really want to do something really fanciful that you cannot provide. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm there. Yeah. So if we, if you really want to do something very dynamic, which is not template driven, which is um, which is like creating your own e-commerce portal, uh, we might not be able to help you. But or if, creating a special information that is totally different. Yeah. So if you're really going in there to get online visibility, to enter the circle. See, mm, Working with SMEs, the bigger war for an SME to be won online is to be included in the decision-making process of the users. E-commerce, even after all the investment that has been made in, in various parts of the world, is still not bigger than traditional commerce, or it's not even close. Yes. But the, the bigger part is majority of the decision-taking in various categories has moved online completely. So even if you buy, what, what I mean by that is even if you buy your... Um, shoes offline many people prefer to buy their shoes with touch and feel yes but they still go online and check what are the different variants nike has released yeah so having a simple site brings you in 
to the decision making process of the user yes so that is very important and they should not I be. saw it that recently because I we we adjusted a webinar recently on having a website that converts and so how how you can make your website to convert into more customers so and while researching that that uh, webinar I uh, saw so data that was quite interesting that over 70% of searches online end up being fulfilled offline so people yeah. search and then they then go and buy offline. offline so that means if you're a business and you're not online like you said you you just removed yourself from a large category of people who are searching for products and services that they can buy and not necessarily they want to buy it online they just want to discover wh- where's the legal firm which dentist is around my area and stuff and then they can go physically to go and get it fulfilled that's interesting so uh, i've got this final round fire round question for you but before then i want to ask what is the big picture here for you how do you see this going in the next five years and how do you see the industry as, as well in africa going as well okay so uh the big picture for we connectors in the next five years we would be in more con- countries in one sector which is the service sector helping businesses find their customers conveniently um and be the single platform for them to engage with their customers that's the big picture i think the impact of that is what gives you know brings the smile on our faces me and my team the impact is today's ratio is 75% of the businesses in africa do not see second year of their operation so they shut down before 24 months and that's very painful that's a lot of loss that's a lot of burn why do you think that is is a is a complex uh, problem of uh, infrastructural gap funding rather than just customer discovery i think uh, four points i wouldn't say it's just customer discovery the first one is uh, lack of funding another one is the high infrastructure cost i i would say lack of funding along with uh, abnormally high interest rates so even if you get funding and you're paying 22 23% interest rate and your margins are 20% you will not be able to sustain it for long that's a problem uh, but another big problem is not reaching your customers effectively so you started a business you are all happy about it but you don't now after starting everything don't know how to attract the right audience which will give you revenue which will grow your business so that's the part of the puzzle that we are trying to solve and you can we we connect you can drive a lot of traffic to yeah like like you said a uh, majority of the sales is not done online but decision taking is so 70% of the people based on the research you mentioned move to buying online so that's where calls are made from our platform inquiries are made and then actual footfall comes to your store or your business to make that purchase we want to be the lead in that so you've seen a lot of change in the ecosystem since you've been there since 2009 and you've been one of the veterans of the ecosystem right and you you a lot of people started at the same time as you they've fallen and you are still standing from your vantage point and your experience where do you see the ecosystem growing in Nigeria and what are the key trends that you are seeing that we make it big in Africa uh, that will make actually Africa tech ecosystem but particularly in Nigeria what are the key trends that you see going in the future i think um the key trending trend in the african ecosystem is initially people only focused on their companies and didn't really invest enough in educating the ecosystem in uh building the you know or rather strengthening the building blocks but today there are a lot of companies that invest in trainings of their staff that invest in courses there is cc hub there is there are a lot of events happening which bring in the exposure and uh, connections for people to learn so i think 
the ecosystem is in the going in the right track and a lot of people entrepreneurs like me have matured up and we all i think understand now that sharing multiplies our strength and does not increase competition at some point i felt it was more about oh he's doing this why can't i do it <laughs> the feeling that we but but today it's about oh he needs this how can i provide it to him so it's ecosystem really is growing and is in the right direction that's I'm a really good perspective that. that's a very very good perspective that you have there about um that the ecosystem can be built by people collaborating and and helping each other rather than just I mean we are in need for 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 money sometimes I mean competition also helps yeah. but there's a bit of that uh, collegiate collaboration at, for the bigger picture. Um so quick fire round question uh I'll, I'll I'll send a statement and then you can just um give me just one line statement about about it. Um so first one what is your biggest pain point? Business pain point at the moment. Biggest business pain point at the moment would be uh getting businesses active letting them stay active education what is your number one growth metric number of connections we deliver every day number of connections like customer connecting to businesses that's what that's the big number that you look at uh, what book are you reading at the moment or which one have you just finished reading? i just finished 0 to 1 0 to 1 by peter tl yes. that's a good book um and which business apart from viconet is getting you excited at the moment in the existing I think fintech gets me excited the financial inclusion gets me excited but another business which gets me excited is uh lending for SMEs and which which particular startup are you seeing in the space that is helping you, that is getting you excited about so I I was working with Lydia uh since he's a friend I was working with Lydia so I think that's a great potential like I mentioned the uh, availability of funds for SMEs is a major pain point so startups working in that space I'm always happy to help in any way possible and it really excites me that's quite good dipanga thank you very much for your time it's been great talking to you and learning about your journey uh i find it really really exciting and i hope to have you back uh in this podcast uh at some point soon but well, thank thanks. you for coming today thanks a lot dotun this was really fun thank you you've been listening to building the future podcast by dotun these are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the african future and you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud or wherever you download podcast and subscribe. You can also go to our website thestarter.com. That is T H E S T A R T A.com and sign up for our newsletter. It should be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.
This episode is brought to you by The Lunga Practice. Are you about to start a new business or running an existing one? You need a lawyer. I have seen a number of startups unable to raise money or miss out on a lucrative deal because they fail legal due diligence. You don't want that to happen to you. This is why you need to have a startup focused lawyer. The ones that understand your early hustle and are willing to partner with you now. The Lunga Practice is a legal firm that specializes in working with early stage startups in Africa. When I started getting involved in the Nigerian startup ecosystem, they were recommended to me as a lawyer that understands startups and investors. Since then, I've used their service and so are many others, including the likes of Flutterwave, Techaba, Printivo, Rayfruits, Ventures Platform, Lagos Angel Network, and many others. To get free consultation as a listener of this podcast, fill out a form on podcast.thelongerpractice.com and one of the lawyers will get in touch with you. That is podcast.thelongerpractice.com. You can also find a link in this podcast show notes. Let me tell you about Accountier. No matter the stage of your business, your success is dependent on how much you understand your finance. Accountier is a ridiculously simple online accounting platform specifically designed for small and medium scale businesses in Africa. It is neat, easy to use and simple. With a mobile app, you can also use it offline. Accountier simplifies your financial report, help you to create invoices, track your expenses and avoid overpaying taxes. Here's the best thing. Accountier is integrated to local payment solutions such as Paystack in Nigeria and DusuPay in Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, Kenya, and Tanzania. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun and sign up to use it for free. There's an exclusive offer to the listeners of this podcast. You get 75% off your first year subscription when you sign up for a premium account. Go to accountier.com forward slash Dotun. That is A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-E-R.com forward slash dot and sign up.